This morning we're going to continue talking about uh, the the Christian conflict, the battle, if you will, what uh, goes on. Talking about uh, very specifically the the, the battle uh, within us that we fight on a day to day basis, that struggle, that uh, that conflict that exists, and we know it's a, a very clearly as we've seen already. This war between the flesh and the spirit, and how um, that comes uh, uh, comes to fruition. But um, as we've kind of already seen, uh, that victory or defeat that we have in our day to day, sometimes hour by hour conflict, is going to be one hundred percent dependent on whether or not we use what God has given us and use it correctly, for that matter. Uh, you know, mankind has a habit of using what God gives them, uh, in, in sometimes some of the most perverse ways. Um, we, we, we can definitely see in the world today the things that God has given us and how mankind has just, uh, uh, corrupted it, uh, muddied it, um, taken it and used it for something totally different than what God has intended it for. And we see that in our day-to-day lives. We see that in, in the world's mentality. Um, and as a Christian, we should clearly recognize that that's one of the attacks that comes into our life, is to take what God has given us and misuse it. So we want to make sure that we please God with all that we do and with all that we say and all that we think. So in order to get that victory that uh, we so desperately seek on a day-to-day basis... It is going to come down to how do we use that uh, that which God has given us, specifically the Holy Spirit, and specifically when we talk about this, um, His uh, His Word. If those two things are not used correctly, we are not going to be able to fight the battle that we need to. And we find that through Scripture. We kind of talked a, a bit talking about the difference between walking in the flesh and the spirit. Well will overlap with some of those things. But what we find is that, that that it's all going to be dependent on that choice that we make. It's all going to be dependent on how we decide to use what he has given us, specifically the Holy Spirit. So when we say things like that and we use terms like, well, you just you, you just need the Holy Spirit in your life. You just uh, you know you just need to, to to put on the armor of God. You just need to do those things, and and, and to a degree, sometimes people kind of say that in some mystical type manner, like they talk about with faith, or we were talking about other uh, last week, uh, the fear of God and trusting Him. You know, these kind of somewhat ambiguous terms that have truth behind them, but there's no understanding of what those things mean. So when we look at how we use the Holy Spirit of God, how we take his uh, His power, his might, and what he teaches us on a day-to-day basis in the Word of God, we're going to see an example of something, a case study specifically. But I want us to turn, before we do that, uh, turn over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. <clears throat> in, in, in Galatians chapter 3, uh, Paul gets uh, very specific with this group of believers. And he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. So, so very clearly we find that God is making this very evident that they had some truth that was given to them, but it became misused. It was either disregarded, it was set aside, it was corrupted, whatever it may be. And we understand that to a degree it was a corruption that came in because the things of the law that were, were trying to be brought into for the purpose of salvation and keeping the salvation. And God said, that's not the case. That's not what's to happen. But we're not talking specifically about that doctrine, but I wanted to get to this point of talking about how the Lord uses the Holy Spirit and His Word to teach us. And in verse 2, He says, This only I, what I have learned from me, uh, learn of you, re- received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. He's talking about receiving what God has said. This becomes a very critical, critical, uh, if you will, element of the Christian battle. 
If we are not willing to listen and to hearken, then we are going to essentially lose every battle we come it come to. That's something we really truly have to understand. If, if we're struggling in our life and we're struggling with whatever uh, um, uh, issue or sin it may be, uh, if we're failing to listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling us, what the Word of God is teaching us, then then we're going to have a problem. Because he says here very clearly, and he's talking about, you know, his salvation here. He's like, was it by works or was it by what you heard? So here, in similar form, we I want to take this uh, the, the, these passages and just kind of use this as an example of what happens when we move away from the Word of God. When they moved away from the Word of God, they went straight into a heresy. They went straight into false doctrine. And here's God, here's God correcting them using the Apostle Paul. And he corrects them with Scripture. But in verse 3, he says, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? And this is where, where, where that, that battle really comes into play. We have individuals that are in conflict in themselves. There's that war that's within and it comes down to whether or not they're willing to listen to the Holy Spirit of God or whether they're willing to listen to the flesh. Now, part of the problem that we have here is that, that in the book of Galatians, there was a fleshly mentality that was brought in to supersede the spiritual uh, heart that God was working in on them specifically. So we find that that, that, that happens in our life. And it's not just with false doctrine. It's with day-to-day things. So I, there, there's a, uh, um, a, a case study that uh, that's out there uh, regarding some things with counseling and how how counseling the Word of God works. And there was this young woman; uh, she was uh, raised in a Christian home. She uh, grew up uh, under godly parents. Grew up in the church, so she had been to Sunday school and junior church and vacation Bible school and youth group and things of that nature. And here she is as a, as a young adult, and she begins to engage in some actions that lead her into a path of unrighteousness. And those actions it came up with a consequence, and that consequence was. She was pregnant. Now, this would create a, a huge issue and a problem, and she did not know what to do. She was a Christian. She did not know what to do. Why? Because on one hand, she had the father, and she had her friends that, that she was hanging out with, basically telling her, well, you need to have an abortion. Because this is going to be a problem. Now, on the other hand, she also knew what she had heard from the preaching and from the teaching in in the church from her parents as well. And she knew exactly what the Bible was talking, how the Bible talks about this. But here she is, and I want you to understand that with just a few decisions that she made, how quickly she came to making a very large decision of whether or not she was going to commit the act of murder. Now, most of us haven't been pushed to that point of where we have to make a decision of whether we're going to murder somebody. And praise God if you haven't, okay? But 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 understand this, in this day and age, we are pushing young people, young adults even older children into a position where they have to make a decision of probably one of the things that we consider the worst to be in the world, taking a human life. And there's the lies that are being fed to them on the one side, and then there's the truth that has been taught. And what we want is we want to make sure that the truth is obviously elevated, but you can see that she's already made decisions to disregard the word of God. Because she's now in a certain circumstance, in a situation where she has to address this issue. 
She doesn't know what to do, and she's sitting there trying to figure out what in the world, and, and, and the father's saying, look, I don't want any part of this. You know what? As a matter of fact, I'm done with you because of this. If you're going to try to keep this baby, I want nothing to do with it, and, and, and walks away from the relationship. And she is, if you will, at a prodigal moment. Her friends don't want to be associated with her unless she does what they want. The young man, uh, uh, and I use that term loosely, um, he he very clearly is influencing her to do that which is sinful, wants nothing to do with her anymore. She 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 has this mentality that she thinks that she can't go to the church. She can't do what she's supposed to do. And she's, she's kind of caught between what do I do? And this is, this is based off of an actual case, okay? And she's there and she realizes as, it, it, you know, almost as if it was a voice, but you know, you understand what I'm saying. There was the thought that said, I can still go to my parents. Because it would be better if I crawled to my parents and they helped me than to live alone or to commit this horrible sin of murder. She came to herself. And you know why that happened and occurred? Because there was a a teaching that was remembered by her from from the things that her parents taught her from the things that that, that uh, uh, the church had taught her, from the things of the Bible, specifically the Holy Spirit using uh, Scripture to teach her and to show her and to guide her. So in kind of, if you will, a half-obedience manner, she decides to come clean and go to her parents. She's about one month long at that point. And, and, and I say all of that because you, you now realize the, 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 the gravity of the issue, right? We realize the gravity of the sin that's there. She walked in the flesh and she definitely reaped that consequence. Now she's got to face it and she's got to deal with it. And she comes to her parents and, and, and there's, there's much, uh, you know, crying and, and they receive her and they're going to help her and they're going to make her, have her help her do the, the right choice and the right decision, all of these things. And, and, and here comes the issue. They get to this point and they make the decision that the right thing to do is to keep the child. The right thing to do is not commit murder. So, so they, they, they come to this decision and they say, okay, all right, we're, we're going to, we're going to do this. Uh, um, she couldn't go through with the action of the abortion because she understood the previous teachings and the principles of the word of God from scripture and the Holy Spirit used that. She walked a, a brief moment being led of the spirit to do those actions that were godly at that point in time. So here they are sitting down in the pastor's office because now they need some, some, uh, if you will, guidance about how, how do we do this? How, what, what do we do next? What's, what's the next step in this? She's reconciled with her parents. She sought forgiveness from her parents. She's received forgiveness from her parents. And, and the, the subject matter comes up. She's like, well, if I start coming back to church, people are going to notice something. It's a little hard to hide that. So, so she said, what do I do? And, 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 and I understand this. The parents, thinking that it was the right thing to do, wanted to save the, the, the young woman from shame and from guilt and, and if you will, eyes and gossip and everything else. So they said, well, how about this? How about we just, you know, kind of, if you will, find a way to make her quietly disappear for about eight months or so. And then the uh, child's given up for adoption. She comes back to the church. She, she received and nobody knows anything. And, and it's kind of all done away with and nobody has to know anything. And the pastor said, that's not the right decision. And they're like, but, 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 but here's the issue. She's going to be, she's going to be subject to shame. And the, 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 the pastor said, how do you know that? Where did that come from? 
That response was a fleshly response. Because the flesh didn't want to feel the shame. So the flesh responds in a very different way. And it thinks that this is the best course of action. And the pastor said, when that, if you guys make that decision, can I ask you, have you taken into consideration the rest of the congregation? And they're like, what do you mean the rest of the congregation? This is, and he's like, no, we're all members of the body of Christ. What affects one person affects us all. Are you going to give God the opportunity to have individuals use the word of God to encourage this young woman, to lead her, to teach her, to do what she's supposed to do, to keep the child and raise the child in a godly home, and and, if you will, in a church environment, are you going to allow that to happen, or are you going to try to do it so you avoid feeling guilt? Now we see how quickly things change, right? When we start thinking in that manner, you go over to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, and and I want to use this as an example of, of what happens here. While at the same time they're thinking, okay, we're doing the right thing, they're also trying to do the wrong thing. They're also trying to, if you will, cover it up. And, and, and let me, let me, let me put it this way. When you try to cover your sin, God makes it clear, right? What does he say in the book of Numbers? Doesn't he say, be sure your sin will find you out? It, it, it comes out. Somehow, some way it would come out. But the end result is, is it, it doesn't give anybody the opportunity to fulfill the will of God. It doesn't give anybody the opportunity to please God, and that's exactly what we're supposed to be heading towards and doing in this manner. In in, in Titus chapter 2, he says here uh, um, in verse 3, he says, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior that becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Well, who are they supposed to be teaching? In verse 4, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, love their husbands, love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Giving them an opportunity to do what God wants them to do. And you know what happened in that church? That exact thing. She came... People began, you know, she, it was very evident that she, cause she came forward and she said, you know, she addressed, she addressed the congregation. She said, this is what I did. This is what I've done wrong. And she said, I, I'm just, I want everyone to know that I'm going to keep this child and I'm going to raise this child in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And of course, all the people said amen. And the pastor got up there and said, I don't want to hear anything about gossip. This is the end of the issue. We are here to help this woman in her Christian walk by using the word of God to edify and to encourage her. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But all of that had to come about by knowing what the scripture says, by the leading of the Holy Spirit in this. And and when we're led of the, the Spirit, sometimes we're going to be led into things that maybe make our flesh feel uncomfortable. We should. We should not grow too comfortable with our flesh. We should not have our, our, our flesh be the one dictating to us. Because we very clearly have seen exactly what God talks about with that. And how how, how, how we respond to those things. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. So, so how does she obtain this victory? How does she come through making these decisions? Well, it came because she listened to the influence of the Word of God in her life, and the Holy Spirit that, that, that was uh, at work using His Word to teach her. And, and again, in the end of this, it, everything was done according to God's will and to, according to what God's desire is. And, and, and the child was loved and the child was cared for. And, and, and if you will, everyone came around and did what they were supposed to do. 
But we see over in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and spirit is against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. He makes it very clearly who's the one that should be guiding and directing in this. Now, we've already talked about over there what it says in Romans chapter 8, and uh, specifically in verse uh, in verse uh, 4, I believe, over there, where it mentions in similar f- fashion about how we need to be walking in the Spirit. Let's turn over there really quickly, Romans chapter 8, because it's going to bug me now that I can't remember. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Uh, Romans chapter 8, um, verse 1 and verse 4. He says, therefore, excuse me, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And in verse 4 it says, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The concept is, is that we are to be Spirit-led. Now let's talk about what being spirit-led means. In the perfect, clear example, here she is at conflict where the world is feeding her one thing. There she is, she being a saved child of God, maybe, you know, obviously backslidden at that point, receives some input from the Holy Spirit saying, you know that's the wrong choice. She, if you will, as I said, in half obedience says, I refuse to go that far but I will return to where I know that I can receive more of that voice in my life, more of that power, more of that victory. And as she continues to listen and continues to be led, she makes different decisions than what the world would make. So even specifically when we're talking about, you know, uh, going away quietly so that she could avoid embarrassment. But again, that wasn't for the benefit of everyone else. That was for the benefit of her. And when we think about the benefit of us and us only, we are walking in the flesh and we are living in the flesh. The Spirit is very clear about this. We need to prefer others. We need to think about others in every action that we do. Now, that's a very difficult thing for us to do because we have been, if you will, uh, habituated from, you know, from, from a very early age to think only about ourselves. To only think only about ourselves. And, and, and in this passage, even if you go down to chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 25 of uh, Galatians, he says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, we know that we have the life in the Spirit and we are in God. Therefore, that is our path, that is our, if you will, God's expectation for us, is that we are going to make those decisions in that way. But when we allow ourselves to be fearful of the things of this world, not fearing God, when we allow ourselves to, to, to be overwhelmed with the things of this world, when we allow ourselves to uh, be subject to the passions of the flesh, and if you will, the sensations of the flesh, and the desires of the flesh, we are not walking in that spirit wherein we live. It's as if we are walking dead. And that's not how God wants us to live. He wants us to be alive. I mean, are we not alive in Jesus Christ? If we're alive in Jesus Christ, then we need to act like it. If he is our life, if he is our hope, if he is our salvation, if he is our all in all, then what we do is we stop listening to the voices that may be inside of us, and we start listening to what the Holy Spirit is telling us, specifically teaching us from the Word of God. And the real conflict comes when somebody is, is failing to listen to the Holy Spirit. Either they don't know what the Word of God says, so there's nothing to go back on, or they have just grown so accustomed to tuning his voice out. Isn't it amazing how people can, can, can go about their day-to-day activity tuning out noise? 
I mean, we do it at work, right? We do it, we do it in the car. We, we, we do it in our homes. We, we, we learn to tune out noise. And one of the greatest problems in a Christian life can be when that individual makes the decision and choice to, if you will, either hit the mute button or turn the volume down on what the Holy Spirit is telling them. Then they cannot be led. They cannot walk in those paths. There becomes a problem. There becomes a problem. See, this battle that we're fighting is pretty simple. The battle that you're fighting is between you and the spirit on one side and the flesh on the other. If you're a saved, born-again child of God, it's you and the spirit. Because didn't he say he'll never leave you nor forsake you? So the spirit's there, right? Aren't you sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? Aren't you the habitation of him? As he says over there, what, know you not? You're the temple of the Holy Ghost? Who's in you? So we know very clearly that he is there with us. So it's us and the Holy Spirit together fighting against the flesh and the desires of the flesh, which is often influenced by the things of the world and the things of the devil and the temptations thereof. So we have to use what God has given us accordingly. So that flesh that is over there, that has grown into those constant, continual bad habits, sinful habits, let's just call it that, sinful habits, is trying to fight against what the Holy Spirit wants us to do with the godly behavior that we're supposed to be exhibiting. And when I say behavior, I'm talking about full and complete whole. I'm talking about the heart, the mind, and the body. Our actions, our words, our deeds, our thoughts, every aspect of who we are. That must be 100% given to the Holy Spirit. It must be 100% led by the Holy Spirit. When we try to integrate flesh into it is when we start bringing sin into the situation. And when we bring sin into the situation, it is never a good thing. Go ask Adam. It didn't end well. Ask anybody that brought sin into a situation. David. Solomon. There's a problem, right? It ends, it ends badly. There isn't a victory there. So to be led by the Spirit means that we have to be obedient to His Word. To be led by the Spirit means you are obedient to His Word. So let's take a look here. Go over to Revelation chapter 4. This is a familiar passage. I quote this frequently because, again, this is a principle of Christian living. you got to get this one down. You have to have this one down. If you don't have this one down, this is generally where a lot of the conflict comes in your life. Revelation 4.11 says this. Here's the four and twenty elders at the throne of God. Uh, um, and, and they, they, they're, they're casting their, their crowns before him. And we find here, this is what they're saying in verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. You were created for the sole purpose of pleasing God. You cannot escape that. Why was a screwdriver invented? To act as a knife? To, 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 to maybe be used in some other fashion other than what it was intended? No. The intent behind the screwdriver was to remove a screw or put a screw in. That's it. I mean, it's a very simple, uh, if you will, understanding of what it is, right? But again, let's, let's talk about the simplicity of God in what we do. We often make things overly complex. So let's go to the simplicity. The simplicity says, please him. So you start asking yourself this question. Does that word, will it please God? When it comes out of my mouth, before it comes out of my mouth, 
Is it going to please God? Or is it going to grieve him? Okay. That thought that I'm entertaining, that's rattling around in my brain, that I can't seem to get rid of, that's causing me all this fear and anxiety and pain and depression and everything else. Okay. Is that thought pleasing unto God? If not, bring it into captivity. Right? That action, is it obedient to God's word or not? If it's not, don't do it. That action, will it please God? If it's not going to bring God any glory, and it's not going to bring him any honor, and it's not going to bring him any praise, and it's not going to bring him in any way, shape, or form, any pleasure in what you're doing, then by no means should it even be entertained in our heart or in our thought process. But man, we just, what do we do? We get into the autopilot mode. Christians, we have got to get out of that thought process. Turn the autopilot off. You're going to wreck the plane. (laughs) We have got to have full control over all of it. When we realize that this is exactly what God wants us to do, we, we, we begin to understand that this is what we need to accomplish in our life. Go over to Romans chapter 8. Go back over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, you know, he he, he talks about these things, and and just to kind of pick up where we left off, we left off right there with verse 4, but in verse 5 he says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, uh, the things of the spirit. That means mind we're talking about, that's what they're thinking on. If you're constantly thinking about things of the flesh, you're not giving yourself opportunity to think about what the spirit wants. How to please him. How to be led by him. So we go down a little bit further in verse 6. He says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Oh. So you mean if I'm constantly thinking in the things of the flesh, then I'm never going to have any peace in my life? Bingo. But if I'm constantly thinking about what God wants me to do and how I can please Him and how to be obedient to Him and with all the things that He's given me and I'm content and I'm seeking to do His will in my life and all of those things that He's already done for me, I'm praising Him for that and thankful for, you're telling me that I will have peace in my life? Absolutely. Peace is readily obtainable if you're listening to the Holy Spirit of God. And interestingly enough, where does it show up? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The peace that passeth all understanding. But here in verse 7, he says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So if we're thinking about the things of the flesh and pleasing our flesh, it's contrary to what God's word tells us. So the end result is, we go to verse 8, and he says, so they that are in the flesh cannot please God. They cannot please God. We cannot please God if we are in a fleshly mindset. If what we're trying to do is fleshly, it will not please God. Things that are self-oriented, things that are pride-based, Things that will, if you will, uh, um, uh, give pleasure to our flesh are things with which are at enmity with God, and it only pleases us, and it does not please Him. Let's not kid ourselves. When a person goes around and they're one of those people pleasers, right? You all run into those people pleasers, right? They'll do everything just to, just to please you. And I'm not talking about somebody that's giving you good customer service or anything like that. I'm talking about somebody that they're always trying to please, you know, everyone else in, in, in their life, trying to do things that are, if you will, contrary to the Word of God. Because they're not doing that pleasing unto God, they're doing it unto men. And there is a big difference. 
There's a big difference. We're talking about I service as men pleasers is what God talks about, not doing that service unto God. Asking him how he wants it to be done, not taking direction from flesh. So what what happens in this life is this. We as Christians will be in a fleshly mentality when we are trying to please ourselves or we're trying to please another person before we are trying to please God. If it's another Christian, if we're pleasing God, that should please the other Christian. If not, then they have, it on a, if you will, an inappropriate understanding of what these verses are talking about. But if we're in that flesh mentality, we cannot please God. So that means we're going to suffer defeat at every turn. At every turn. Why? Because we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. We're not using the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is uh, is a very, very, very powerful weapon. That's the word of God. And it is this, the sword of the spirit, meaning that it is a spiritual thing, and very clearly it is not something that is flesh-based. So we have to understand that concept. So every decision, every right decision that we make is because it's the following of the direction of the spirit of God, specifically through his word. Every right decision that you make is going to be based off this book right here. If it's not based off this book right here, what are you basing it off of? It's going to be based off of something else. So we have to go to this as the standard. We have to go to this as what we see God wants us to do and how to do his will, and how to please him. So every right decision we make is going to be led by the Spirit through this book. That is the sword of the Spirit. That is how we get victory. That is how the defeat of the enemy takes place. That is how you win against the flesh. That's how you win against the flesh. <clears throat> You, you, you take a look here, you know, again, with our poor decisions that we make, why are those generally there? It's because we listen to the flesh. You ever listen to your flesh before? Anybody in here listen to your flesh? Sometimes it doesn't end up well, does it? No, no, it doesn't at all. It, 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 it just, it, it, it just results in problems. Why? Because it's death. We have to treat it that way. We have to treat the mindset of anything that is fleshly is death to us. We want to avoid it because we are to live for Christ. So as we go through this thought process and we, we sit here and think what we need to do, we, we, we realize Hey, I'm going to probably need some help in this. Turn over the book of Hebrews. And before we turn to Hebrews chapter 4, which is probably might be where you're thinking I'm going, I want you to turn to chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Now, now here's, here's one of the biggest things that we have to begin to understand. We as Christians are called together in one body, meaning that we are members one of another. That's, that's Bible, right? That's scripture. Paul tells that specifically to the church at Corinth. And he goes through a whole dissertation about how that works from chapter uh, 11 all the way through chapter 14 including into chapter 15. Because that was part of the problem that was going on with the church of Corinth is that they were divided. They were not they were not one in Christ. So I want us to keep this in mind. The reason why God wants you to be following after those things of the spirit, being led of the spirit and walking in the spirit is because there's other people that you are going to have an impact on. 
Take a look at Hebrews chapter four, or chapter five and verse 12. <clears throat> and he says here, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become as such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Meaning that he's, he's looking at these individuals and he says, you know what? You should be helping other people, but you can't do it because you're helpless. You're still infants. You wouldn't go to a six-month-old baby and ask for help, you know, disassembling your the engine of your car. But if you're a Christian, you should be growing in Christ. This is why, so that you can be used of God to help each other. A stagnant Christian life is is a, is a Christian that is a, is not listening to God. It's not listening to the Holy Spirit. They're not growing. And he talks about it. He says, for everyone that useth milk is uns- is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. He says, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have exercised their, uh, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Meaning, you know what? It's exactly what, what Spurgeon was talking about when it comes to discernment. Discernment isn't just knowing the difference between what is right and what is wrong. It's knowing the difference between what is right and what is almost right. So in the same fashion here, he says, you need to be able to look at every action, every thought, every word, and you need to be able to discern very clearly because you're doing this constantly. What happens if you exercise constantly? You're fit. At least that's what they say, right? You exercise, you get a healthy heart, you get muscle tone, you get all of these things that people look at in the world and value. Well, where's the spiritual muscle tone? Where's the spiritual heart fitness? It's when you are purposely going through the process of exercising your senses spiritually to discern what is good and what is evil, meaning you're constantly using the word of God in a skillful manner to sit down and say, that's right, that's wrong. That's 100% right. That looks 99.9% right, but I still don't want to do what was 100% right. Because that 0.01% or whatever it is of evil is still evil and it can cause death. This is the mindset of what a Christian should be doing. That's how they use it. The word of God is used so that you can discern good and evil. So that you know what is supposed to be done in your Christian life. Chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 12 is is a well-known verse by most independent fundamental Baptists, right? King James Bible believers, we say, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, uh, uh, piercing to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner in thoughts of the intents of the heart. Have we ever sat down and dissected that verse, or do we just rattle it off? Why does he say, if you will, the dividing asunder of soul and spirit? Why? Because we want to make sure that what is being, influ- what, our, what is influencing our soul is not the flesh, but it is the spirit. Because sometimes that soul has become so accustomed to doing what it wants that it won't listen to what the spirit says. And sometimes we need to know what's our will and what's God's will. Good and evil. Let's not kid ourselves. Our soul is constantly influenced by our flesh, by the world, and by the devil. So you know what we need to do? We need to know the difference. When is it our soul doing what our soul wants to do, and when is it the spirit our spirit being led by his spirit influencing our soul to do what is right. 
Because remember, there's that battle that goes on in between us. The soul's caught in the middle. you got the body and the flesh over here trying to influence what the soul should be doing. And then you've got the spirit over here that's being led by the spirit, that's being led by the word of God, all of those things being influenced on the other side, trying to, if you will, teach what is supposed to be done. And there's that pull going on inside of us. We have to know the difference between when it looks like it's something that's godly, but is actually our will, not God's will. That's what this is about, because he wants you to go through and what? Discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It comes down to the intent. It comes down to the intent. Are we wanting to please God, or are we wanting to please ourselves or someone else? If it's something else, someone else, even ourselves, it is not fulfilling Scripture, the Word of God. So we have to go through that process. We have to let the Word of God do that. We have to let it get in there, and maybe it is going to cut us, and it's going to go, Oh, really? Ow, that hurt. That's called conviction. Correction cannot happen if conviction is absent. Remember that. Correction cannot happen if conviction is absent. If you're trying to correct a child and they are not convicted of their sin and what they have done wrong in their disobedience, you will never succeed in correcting that child. All you're going to do is reinforce bad behavior. It has to be conviction. They have to know they have done wrong. They have to know they have violated God's word. Not just yours, God's word. If that conviction isn't present, correction's never going to be fulfilled. So we see all of this going on in this teaching of what happens in our day-to-day life. We, we, we realize, you know, here's this girl that we were talking about. She needed help. She needed to be able to go to teachers that were strong in the word to show her because they've been using it because that's the intent. He was reprimanding these Hebrews here because they weren't. And he said they were dull of hearing very specifically in verse 11. And we have to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit of God. And he goes through and he talks about that. I mean, again, we, let's think about it. Over in Revelation chapter 19, what is, how is Jesus Christ described as coming back? What is coming out of his mouth? A sword. A sword. We know what Ephesians 6, 17 says. It's talking about the word, the sword of the Spirit. How did, how did, did, did Jesus Christ, in the accounts that were given, how did he defeat the temptations of the devil? It is written. Over and over and over again. So it comes down to this. If we are going to win a Christian battle, if we are going to realize that, that, that we need to obtain victory to please God, then it becomes very critical that the Word of God is used by the Holy Spirit to teach us. You know, sometimes we kind of go for that 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 shotgun effect with children. We just throw as much Bible and Scripture at them as we possibly can and hope something sticks. But but I'll tell you, it, it, it's much more than that. It's teaching them. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He teaches us. He instructs us. We have to, we, we, we have to be willing to listen to that. If you try to correct somebody that is not willing to receive instruction, oh man. You, you want to talk about one of my pet peeves. You know, it's just at some point in time, you know what, you just want to go and walk away. Aren't you glad that when we don't listen to correction, God still is there and doesn't go, now sometimes he does go, well, you're on your own on that one. (laughs) Because we need to learn about receiving the consequences. 
And just because correction comes and conviction comes doesn't mean that consequences won't happen. Let's not kid ourselves. As specifically, the Bible says, let's not deceive ourselves. There's still going to be those things. But all of that can still be used for the glory, honor, and praise of God if we listen to the Holy Spirit on how to use it. Because how how often has God taken something that was meant for evil and used it for good? The entire book of Esther. Just think about that one. We begin to realize that this is one of the important things that we as 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 as, as believers need to follow after. Now, as we start moving in and we start talking about other parts of uh, of this this armor of God and other use of the equipment that God has given us, it's also, if you can see, I'm also incorporating the fact that, you know what, we often need additional support. You can't send one man in on a mission. You send a team in if you want it done right. If you're wanting a victory, you got to send the right amount of people. And we are all in this together. We're all in the same fight. We're all fighting the same enemy. We need to be fellow soldiers and help each other in this fight. We're going to see that thread throughout all of this about this spiritual warfare of how we can have that victory that God is so freely given. So let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer and uh, we'll be dismissed for a short period. Uh, take a break, come back, and uh, begin our 11 o'clock service. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time that you've given to us. I pray, Lord, that as we've listened to what your scripture teaches us and says, that, Lord, we would have a desire to please you and honor you with all that we say and do. I thank you again for this time, and, Lord, I pray that you continue to meet with us for the 11 o'clock hour. Teach us from your holy scriptures, Lord, how we should be what you desire us to be. And these things I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.